0: Yahoo Finance. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research customizable charts, and so much more. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com.
1: With Chime's secure credit card, you can start improving your credit scores with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments. Get started at chime.com slash build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA, members FDIC. Results may vary. See chime.com for details. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com slash disclosures for details.
0: The Peter Ship Show. Well, I am going to use today's podcast as an opportunity to offer my take on last night's presidential debates, which certainly did not live up to all of the hype and expectation. But the airwaves today are filled with opinion makers proclaiming that Trump won or Or Hillary won. And of course, you know, all the people that think Trump won, these are the Trump supporters, right? Republicans. And so their guy won. And Hillary supporters are claiming that Hillary won. I'm going to give you a little bit of a different take because clearly, and if you don't know this by now, if the choice is between Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump, I would choose Trump. Yet despite the fact that I support Trump over Hillary, I think Trump really blew an opportunity with this debate. Now, I know in in some cases there were some low expectations with respect to Trump. And did he exceed those low expectations? I don't know. I mean, I expected more from Donald Trump and I was disappointed. I think he really blew an opportunity here. I think he should have mopped the floor with Hillary Clinton. In fact, she gave him many, many opportunities. Uh, She teed it up for him over and over again and he didn't even take a swing. And in many cases, he not only didn't try to hit the ball, but he whiffed it. And I really wish, you know, he would have been maybe better prepared. I don't know. I mean, I wish that he would have paid me to do some debate prep because I really would have told him exactly how to handle Hillary Clinton. I'll start off by giving one simple example where he could have made, you know, a lemonade out of lemons but chose to hand Hillary Clinton an issue which I'm sure she's going to use against him. And this had to do with his comment in an interview, I think over 10 years ago, that pregnancy is inconvenient for employers, which of course it is. And Hillary Clinton said, well, Donald Trump, you said that pregnancy was an inconvenience for employers. And instead of owning and embracing that comment, He backed away from it and denied having said it. So, you know, one of the big issues that Trump has is that Hillary is a liar. Well, if Hillary is a liar, don't tell lies yourself. Because if you're also a liar, well, then what difference does it make? Okay, I have a choice between two liars. Trump has to be honest to exploit Hillary's lack of honesty. And, of course, Hillary can easily make a commercial. She's got tons of money to produce commercials and run them of Donald Trump saying he never said that pregnancy was inconvenient for women, and juxtaposed it to him saying pregnancy is inconvenient for women. Right? This was this didn't have to happen. Here's what Trump should have done. He should have owned this. I mean, first of all, one of the things that people liked about Trump is that he's not politically correct. He speaks his mind. Well, why not continue to speak your mind? I mean, why pretend? that pregnancy is not inconvenient for an employer just because some woman might be offended. But I give women more credit than that. I think most women realize that pregnancy is inconvenient for their employers, even female employers. This is not a male-female thing. If you're a woman and, you know, you have employees and one of them gets pregnant— it's inconvenient for you, too. Now, you know, for big business, major corporations, okay, someone gets pregnant. All right, you got plenty of other people uh, to pick up the slack. But where uh, pregnancy is really inconvenient for employers is with small business. Now, Hillary Clinton claims she cares about small business. Okay, if you care about small business, can't you admit when things are inconvenient for Small business owners, I mean, you claim you care about jobs. Well, why don't you give a damn about the people who create them? You see, if you own a small business and one of your workers gets pregnant, this is a big deal, right? Because everybody has a job to fill in a small business. Everybody's role is key. Everybody does something that's important because, you know, if you weren't doing something important, the job wouldn't be there. I mean, bosses don't want to hire people unless they're doing something that needs to be done. I mean, why would you just want to pay salaries for no reason? So you're paying somebody to do something that needs to be done. And now that person is pregnant, and they're not going to be there as often. I mean, number one, you know, you're going to get sick more when you're pregnant. I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, employees are not happy when their emplo- ra- rather are not happy when their employees call in sick, right? I mean, God, someone's out. Now we got to get by. And, but if somebody is, is, is uh, pregnant, they're going to be sick more often. But also, towards the end of the pregnancy, they're going to take several weeks off. And then after the baby is born, they're going to take even more weeks off. What is an employer going to do during that situation? It is not easy. I mean, either the employer can do the extra work himself. He could work late nights. He could work weekends. But that's pretty inconvenient. What about his family? What about his wife and kids? Maybe uh, he could pay somebody else. He can bring somebody else in to help out temporarily. But are they going to do the job as well as the full-time employee? No. And then they got to train the person. It's very inconvenient. I mean, think about it like, you know, you're, you have a baseball team. Let's say you got nine people on your team and you have no bench. You just have nine guys. And, and your shortstop gets sick. And now you got to play a man short. I mean, is that inconvenient? Of course it's inconvenient because the other team has got a full roster. So what are you going to do? You got a hole there in the infield, are you going to bring somebody in from the outfield and now you're vulnerable out there? I mean, nobody wants to have to deal with pregnancy, but you know what employers do it. Employers voluntarily make concessions to accommodate their female workers even though it's inconvenient. And Hillary Clinton needs to recognize the sacrifices that employers make for their pregnant female employees but more importantly he should have just hung this issue around her and broadened it out because if hillary clinton doesn't recognize that pregnancy is inconvenient for employers then how is she going to recognize all the other things that are inconvenient for employers like regulations like taxes i mean hillary clinton doesn't give a damn about employers or what inconveniences them that's the problem That's why we're not going to create any jobs if you don't care about inconveniencing employers, because sometimes it's so inconvenient to hire people that they just don't do it. And also, if you don't understand the consequences, because what happens is people like Hillary Clinton want to pass all sorts of laws mandating certain benefits uh, for pregnant women, which makes hiring women even more inconvenient because sometimes what government wants to require is quite onerous. And so the way employers try to combat this is they just hire fewer women. So these laws end up backfiring instead of allowing workers and employers to work these things out themselves. The government comes in and mandates all sorts of things, which employers find extremely inconvenient. And now they're less likely to hire women. And so government programs backfire. So this was an opportunity to highlight Hillary Clinton's Lack of experience and lack of understanding of what it takes to run a business because she's never run one. And you can't be president if you don't give a damn about the things that inconvenient employers if you expect them to create jobs. In fact, another thing that Hillary Clinton said on the same topic is she ranted out how she thought workers should get a share of the profits, that they help earn the profits and they're entitled to share in the profits. Now, why didn't Donald Trump correct her on that and say, no, they're not? I mean, first of all, if an employee wants to share in the profits, he's free to negotiate an employment agreement that, that does that. But if he wants to share the profits, he's probably going to have to take a lower salary in exchange. And most workers don't want that. They don't want profits. If they wanted profits, they'd start their own businesses. They want wages. They want salaries. What is the difference? You see, Donald Trump should have explained this to Hillary Clinton on the air. He should have educated her and lectured her to understand the difference between a salary and a profit. See, most workers want to get paid no matter what. They don't want to have to worry about whether or not the business is profitable. They want a paycheck that they can count on. Why? Because they're living paycheck to paycheck and that's another issue but I'll you know uh, avoid that one for now but they want the certainty of a weekly paycheck they want it to be the same every week and they want to know that rain or shine they're going to get it profits are a totally different animal you have no idea if you're going to get any profits and if you get profits you have no idea how large or how small the profits are going to be and in fact while you're pursuing profits, you might end up with a loss. You know, and every time somebody says workers should get a share of the profits, okay, well, what about a share of the losses? Does anybody expect that if a company loses money at the end of the year that the the boss is going to come back to his employees and say, you know, I, I lost money this year, so I need everybody to contribute to pay me back some of their wages? No one's going to do that. I mean, that is the deal. If you take all the risks and live or die by profit or loss, you are entitled to the profits. If you decide that you don't want uh, to bet on the profitability, if you want the certainty of a paycheck, you want a fixed salary, then no, you are not entitled to the profits because you didn't take any of the risks. Yes, you did work, but you got paid for doing that work. The business owner doesn't get paid for doing the work. He only gets paid if there's a profit. And so if there's no profit after all the employees get paid, the business owner earns nothing. Donald Trump should have explained that to Hillary Clinton. And I think the debate audience would have uh, been moved by that. It would have resonated. Here is an entrepreneur, a businessman that actually understands business, understands jobs and understands how they're created. Because Hillary Clinton, just like President Obama, has never run a business and has never employed Anybody, you know, Hillary Clinton keeps talking about all these things that she wanted to do, right? All these great things that she wants to do. What Donald Trump should have said is, OK, well, did you ever have these discussions with President Obama? I mean, why didn't you just, you know, you're you're, you're, you're a secretary of state. I mean, you guys are good buddies. I mean, you have all these great ideas. I mean, did you tell Obama? And if they're so great, why didn't Obama get it done? I mean, what's wrong with President Obama? Right. I mean, Hillary Clinton says that, you know, she's a change agent, too. Right. Her her husband is calling her a change maker or Hillary Clinton, a change maker. Donald Trump should have said, what Obama policy do you want to change? What do you want to do different from Barack Obama? Where did he fail that you're going to succeed? Because the truth of the matter is she's not going to do anything different than Obama. So, you know, if You're happy with the way the economy is now, well, then vote for Hillary Clinton. But if you're not happy with the economy the way it is now, a vote for Hillary Clinton is not going to change anything. But, you know, what he should have focused on more was not that Hillary Clinton is simply a continuation of the failed policies of President Obama, but it's a continuation of the failed policies of President Bush. You know, Trump was willing to criticize Bush in the Republican primary. And that was, you know, a riskier move because you have a lot of Bush supporters that you don't want to alienate. Well, why not criticize Bush in the general election? I mean, you don't have to worry about alienating the Republicans. I mean, you've got them. You're looking for the undecided. You're looking for the independents, and they will appreciate somebody who's critical of both parties because Hillary Clinton again tried to lay the blame for the 2008 financial crisis on the tax cuts of the the Bush administration, right? Because, hey, Trump wants to cut taxes. And, well, that's what Bush did. And since the Bush tax cuts caused the financial crisis, well, if we elect uh, Donald Trump, we're just going to go back to the same policies that produced the financial crisis. And what Trump should have done is pointed out that those tax cuts had absolutely nothing to do with the 2008 financial crisis. What were the principal causes of the 2008 financial crisis? It was artificially low interest rates from the Federal Reserve and a government which extended subsidies to home buyers so they can overpay for houses that they really couldn't afford. Well, you know what? Those policies have not only not been abandoned, they've been expanded under the uh, Obama administration, the Federal Reserve has kept interest rates lower for longer, and the government is doing even more to subsidize housing now than it did then. Uh, and so, in other words, we haven't changed anything. And, in fact, Donald Trump did point out that the deficit doubled under President Bush, but he didn't point, I mean, that he pointed out that the deficit doubled under President Obama, but he didn't also point out that the deficit doubled Under President Bush. So Obama continued the deficit spending of Bush. And he's the one that wants to change. What Hillary Clinton represents is a continuation of the failed policies, not only of Obama, but of Bush. What Trump needed to do is say, I'm the one that wants to change these policies. It's not about going back to the policies that caused the 2008 financial crisis, because we never left those. I'm the one that wants to abandon them. You want to continue them. And because we never abandoned those policies, because we doubled down on what failed before under Bush, we doubled down under Obama, we are headed for a much worse financial crisis than the one we had in 2008. And that is why I need to be president president because I'm the one that has a different approach. All you're going to do is the same policies that caused the last several crises. You're going to triple down on them. We need legitimate change from somebody who actually has real world experience and is not a career politician. Those are the points that he needed to hammer home and he just didn't do it. You know, also on the Fed, you know, he, he called out the Fed for being political and keeping interest rates too low for political reasons. But then he mentioned that after the election, the Fed's going to raise rates and a lot of bad things are going to happen. And he didn't really explain anything. And so to the average viewer or commentator, this looks hypocritical, right? Because they say, on the one hand, Donald Trump is criticizing the Fed for keeping rates low. But then he says, when rates go up, all these bad things are going to happen. So which is it? Because if you think bad things are going to happen when rates go up, then you should be applauding the Fed for keeping them down. See, what he has to explain to people is that by keeping rates low, all we're doing is delaying the day of reckoning and exacerbating the problems that make the day of reckoning necessary. So what he has to say is... We have to raise rates, not because it's going to be fun, but because it's necessary, because we have to stop digging this hole bigger. We have to deal with reality. All we have now is another phony recovery under Obama, just like the phony recovery we had under Bush. And this one's going to end in even more misery than that one. But the problem is, the longer we delay the day of reckoning, the worse it's going to be. He has got to explain that concept to the voters, and I don't think it's that difficult to do. Because then if he does that, he's not going to look like a hypocrite or he's not going to look like he doesn't know what he's talking about. It's going to make sense. We have an artificial economy. We have a bubble. It needs to pop. We need to have a legitimate recovery because those are the types of recoveries that create real economic growth, that create legitimate jobs, that create prosperity, not just rising asset prices. And, you know, he touched on some of this stuff, but he really should have hit home. He really should have talked about the fallacy of the Obama recovery and hung that around Clinton's neck like an albatross. Voters realize that these jobs that supposedly have been created are no good. People working part-time jobs that used to have full-time jobs, they know that all this is a bunch of nonsense. Trump needs to articulate that and explain that, that Obama is taking credit for a recovery that doesn't exist for a recovery that for all practical purposes is actually worse for most people than the recession that Obama claims we've recovered from. Again, also on the debt. I mean, he didn't embrace his comments on trying to deal with the debt because the debt is a huge issue. He mentioned that there was a $20 trillion debt and that there were things that we couldn't do because now we're hamstrung with a bunch of debt. But the reality is when interest rates go up, the debt is a time bomb. The the debt service is unpayable. So to try to just distance yourself from your comments about, hey, we need to negotiate it lower. I think you want to own that issue. The average American voter is not a bondholder. The average American voter isn't clipping treasuries. So I think you have to explain why the debt that we have today is unpayable, unmanageable. And the only solutions to our problem have to... Uh, go around a reduction in that debt. Because alternative to that, the only alternative is massive inflation. And massive inflation is going to be much worse for bondholders uh, than a restructuring. And it's certainly going to be much worse for the economy. And it's going to be much worse for the average American voter. Because if Hillary Clinton believes that we can actually repay our debt in full, that interest rates can go up and we can continue to service our debt then she has to believe in massive tax increases. I'm not talking about just for the rich. It's going to be the middle class that's going to get stuck with this bill because career politicians like Hillary Clinton have basically sold the average American down the river. We're now debt slaves. And the only thing that's actually keeping us afloat is the fact that interest rates are artificially low. But at some point, they've got to go up and the bills have got to be paid, and the American taxpayer is on the hook unless Donald Trump or somebody else lets them off the hook by restructuring the debt. So I would turn this around and I would say, Hillary, are you in favor of the wealthy bondholders, many of whom are not even in America, many of them are foreign governments? Why should we repay them in full and ask the average Americans that you care so much about, that you claim to care so much about, to suffer huge tax increases so we could pay off China in full? I would make it a, 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 a class issue, not on taxes, but on debt. Why should the Americans have to pick up the tab for all the profligate government spending? Shouldn't the foreign governments that were foolish enough to loan the U.S. government all this money? Shouldn't they be asked to bear some of the pain? Shouldn't our bondholders? After all, it takes two to tango. We couldn't borrow all this money unless someone was dumb enough to lend it to us. So why shouldn't the profligate lenders have to share in the pain? Why does Hillary Clinton want to stick the average American with 100% of the bill? But, I mean, all the statistics that he could have thrown out there with respect to labor force participation with respect to you know the lowest home ownership rate in in over fifty years, uh, the widespread unemployment, particularly in the african American community I mean he mentioned this tangentially, but he really should have hammered home that President Obama failed the very constituency that he was supposed to champion right He was the first b- black president. But blacks did worse under his presidency than maybe any other presidency uh, in, in recent memory. So he failed the very people uh, that he was supposed to help. And how is Hillary Clinton going to do any better? Because if Barack Obama couldn't uh, make things better for African-Americans, how is Hillary Clinton going to do it? And he should have continued to hammer her on the fact that there's nothing that she can do that is different from From Obama. I mean, she talked about a lot of things that she wants to happen, but there's no actual policy prescription for making it happen. Yeah, we want better jobs. We want this. We want that. Right. But how are we going to get it? The only thing that Hillary Clinton mentioned was higher taxes on the rich. Well, whenever you hear rich, just just substitute the word job creators. Right. So how are higher taxes on the job creators going to create more jobs? How is making it uh, more inconvenient to hire workers going to lead to more workers being hired. You know, she mentioned raising the minimum wage. That was maybe one of the only policy prescriptions she had. And, you know, again, Donald Trump didn't even go there. He didn't talk about the minimum wage at all because, again, he's afraid to tell the truth that the minimum wage should be abolished. But I think if an outsider like Donald Trump really levels with the public about some of these basic things. He doesn't have to talk about cutting Social Security or cutting Medicare or some of the things that obviously need to be done, right? Because he doesn't want to alienate that voting block. But he can at least differentiate himself from a typical politician by showing that he understands business and showing that he understands what it takes to grow an economy and create jobs. Because Hillary Clinton is absolutely clueless, just like uh, Barack Obama, and it's easy uh, to, to to prove that. I mean, the bottom line is Trump had a lot of momentum going into this debate, and I think he really had an opportunity to accelerate that momentum, and he didn't do it. I think a lot of wind came out of the sail um, of, of the Trump campaign as a result of him really not delivering the knockout blow that he could have. And as far as, you know, Hillary Clinton was concerned, I mean, a lot of people were expecting Hillary Clinton to maybe start having a coughing attack or some kind of seizure. And, you know, none of that happened. I mean, she certainly made it through the 90 minutes. She didn't need a bathroom break. She didn't need any water. I think Donald Trump was drinking more water uh, than than Hillary Clinton. So anybody who was uh, thinking that there was going to be some kind of health episode, that didn't happen. And, you know... Nobody lost their cool, I guess. I mean, Hillary didn't necessarily get under his skin, maybe a little bit talking about the money that he borrowed from his father or uh, the workers that, that he that he stiffed. Although I didn't like his answer where he said, you know, maybe I didn't like the job that they did. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I know there were workers that didn't get paid with respect to bankruptcies. And that happens all the time. You know, if a company goes bankrupt... And then there are workers who didn't get paid. Um, And these are not employees. These are contractors. I mean, because when there's a bankruptcy, employees are always, you know, elevated to the top. I mean, they're even before creditors, right? Employees get paid before anybody. But if you're an independent contractor and you're not an employee, then you don't have the same status. And what Hillary Clinton doesn't seem to understand is when um, Donald Trump hires an independent contractor to do a job, that independent contractor is likely a small businessman right he he has employees too so it's one business not paying another business because the business went bankrupt i mean that is the way business works but again hillary clinton has no concept of the way business works and that's what he should have explained i mean to the average viewer it's like well he's not paying his workers he's not paying his employees i'm sure all the employees of all of trump's failed businesses, what you know, got paid everything they were owed. I mean, they got paid before the bondholders. But you have an independent contractor who is actually another business, you know, a supplier, in this case, somebody who supplied labor. Well, they didn't get paid. But again, that's the risk they took. Everybody knows that if you're an independent contractor and you do a job for somebody and the person goes bankrupt, and you might not get paid. I mean, that's why you don't necessarily accept the job from a company if you're worried that they're going to be solvent, right? I mean, you don't have to take the job. You take a chance on whether or not the person is going to be able to pay. And and so it's, it's unfortunate, but that's business. That's life. That's something that Hillary Clinton doesn't understand. And Donald Trump needs to explain it to her because by explaining it to her in front of an enormous audience, the audience gets it. That he is teaching her. He is educating her. He can do it without being condescending, but he can do it like, look, I'm a, I'm a businessman. Here is how the world works. You don't know this, right? You have no real world experience. Yes, you have all this government experience, but government experience is what has ruined the economy. I mean, if you want another experienced politician, a career politician who doesn't know anything about the real world, doesn't know anything about business, doesn't know anything about creating jobs, just has some kind of crazy, in guy sky ideas and, and wants to make more empty promises, then vote for Hillary Clinton because she's just like Barack Obama. She's just like uh, George Bush. But if you want something different, if you're tired of the same old lies, right, politicians talking big but failing to deliver, if you're tired of watching... Uh, your, your your real incomes fall and your debt grow, if you're tired of your declining standard of living, if you want your 25 and 30-year-old kids to move out of the house, and if you are a 25 or 30-year-old kid and you want to move out of your parents' basement, you know, if you want real opportunity, if you want real jobs, then we've got to change the game, right? It's not just about changing the players, but changing the game. And Donald Trump needs to portray himself as a game-changer. I am not your typical Republican, right? I am not, you know, just a Republican or a Democrat. I am something completely different. Yes, I am running on the Republican ticket because I won the Republican primary, but I am going to be like no Republican you've ever seen because I'm not a politician. That's what he needs to do. He can't try to wrap himself around the GOP. I mean, he didn't do that to get the nomination. Why should he do that to get the presidency? In fact, Distancing yourself from the failed policies of the Republicans is the best way to win. I mean, the Republicans are not going to vote for Hillary, at least most of them, but the independents will appreciate somebody calling a spade a spade and really describing why your presidency is going to be different. You know, and finally, there was a lot of talk about trade. And unfortunately, when it comes to trade, both candidates have it wrong. You know, Hillary Clinton was caught in a lie when she mentioned the fact or she denied that she had called the TTP the gold standard of trade agreements. Although Hillary lying is nothing new. I mean, everybody knows Hillary Clinton is a liar. Uh, The key is, is she competent, right? Can she actually deliver on her promises? And there the answer is no. And that's the opportunity that I think Trump blew, but also, when he talks about trade, he just can't talk about how it's based on a bad agreement. Now, I understand his strategy is, yes, we just need a better negotiator. If we just have a better trade agreement, then uh, you know we're going to win on trade instead of lose on trade. We're not going to have these huge trade deficits. We're going to have trade surpluses. That's not the key. And what Trump should be doing is blaming the trade deficits on big government blaming it on the taxes and the regulations and all the inconveniences that Hillary Clinton doesn't mind layering on employers. That's why we have trade deficits, because we've destroyed our businesses. It's not the trade deals that have destroyed them. It's the government that has destroyed them. If we still had vibrant businesses, the trade deals wouldn't matter. We would be able to export. You know, we had all kinds of crazy trade deals, Uh, historically, when we used to have surpluses, it's not the negotiators, it's the politicians, it's the taxes and the regulations. And what does Hillary Clinton want to do? She wants more of the same. She wants higher taxes. She wants more regulation. How is that going to solve the problem? How are we going to make an economy more competitive that is already suffering Because it's uncompetitive given the weight of the taxes and the regulations that are already there. Now, yes, Donald Trump does say, yes, we want to get rid of regulations. He's got to be more specific and actually talk about the fact that they're going to repeal all these regulations that have been passed and what that actually means for business. Because when you repeal regulations, it doesn't cost the Treasury any revenue, but it frees up a lot. Of revenue for business. It actually helps increase tax revenue because when you get rid of regulations and businesses are now more productive and more profitable and they expand, you grow the tax base. So not only do regulations, regulations stifle economic growth and destroy jobs, but they're actually one of the factors in creating the large deficits. And if Trump wants to talk about the, the growth-oriented effects of tax cuts and a regulatory cut that is one of the benefits that if we do make our businesses more product- productive and more competitive rather they'll be more productive and we can create more jobs these are the facts that need to be hammered home and I think that had Trump done that had Trump really delivered the performance that he could have done under these circumstances given the momentum I think he could have sealed a a victory. Instead, we're going to have to rely on what happens at the rematch. I mean, there's still two more debates coming. And, uh, you know, so he's got an opportunity to correct some of these problems. Maybe somebody will send Donald Trump a copy of this podcast or one of his uh, handlers or advisors, and maybe they can listen to it and maybe learn a few things so that when they come back for round two... Uh, maybe he can uh, he can deliver that knockout punch after all.
1: Today's financial advisors behave like pro wrestling TV commentators. They scream that the recovery is strong, debt is manageable, inflation is low, and that the Federal Reserve has everything under control. They may be oblivious, but the danger is real. If you live in the United States and have $25,000 or more to invest, call 800 727 7922. That's 800 727 7922. Non U.S. residents access similar strategies through Euro Pacific Bank at EuropacBank.com. Euro Pacific Capital and Euro Pacific Bank are affiliated companies.
0: Hi, this is Peter Schiff, and long before foreign governments were buying gold, I urged my clients to put 5 to 10% of their portfolios into physical precious metals.